Spencer and I were talking about before we started recording um, that my, my wife texted me a picture of the actor Patrick Fischler and said, who is this guy on Lost? Because we're currently rewatching and then eventually going to keep going past where we watched uh, Mad Men. And he, it's uh, the guy who plays the, like, the comedian with the us potato chips who uh, Don sleeps with his wife. Uh, he is eventually in Lost. I'm not going to tell Spencer character he eventually plays, but he's a very fun character actor. And uh, he, is a, he, he is a fun arc in this show. So Funny thing. And the actor from this episode of Lost, I, I think his name is Mackenzie Austin. He also plays someone on Mad Men. And Don Draper also fucks that man's wife. So <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, so there you go. At least if I'm remembering correctly, I know he has a Mad Men credit, is, and I I think is, he's one of them. That is Mackenzie Aston. Yeah, and you know, well, you know who who that is, right? No, that's Sean Aston's little brother. Who's Sean Aston again? I'm done. Sam Gamgee. Samwise and uh, Samwise and Rudy. Oh, Mister uh, Frodo. <laughs> I, I oh, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Man, I bet those movies. I have a sneaking sub a sneaking subscription. Uh, really, at my most eloquent in uh, in a day of quarantine, not speaking to anyone. I have a sneaking sub suspicion that those movies are pretty bad. The Lord of the Rings films. So okay, but, so I have a unique perspective on this actually. Okay. Because I for years really did not like those movies. Mm-hmm. Like I just I just did it didn't do it for me. Found them really boring, couldn't keep up with anything, didn't care. And then last year, after like years of cajoling, Paige convinced me to watch them and I really, really dug them for the first time. I think they're fun as like an event that you just kind of gear up for and do together. But as films, yeah, they I think about seeing them again and they just seem like like slow, just like wading through like waist deep water and boring. Paige Paige would not be ashamed for me to tell you that when we watched them last, uh she teared up at the you kneel for no one scene at the end. Aww. <laughs> That's nice. Um, um, let's see. I saw. Have you ever seen? Have you seen the Hobbit films, the Peter Jackson trilogy? The, after, I have watched the first two of them. I have not seen the final one. The funny thing about those is apparently he shot them at like a higher frame rate with a new kind of camera or camera technique that mm-hmm. he thought would be the wave of the future and because all of our because all of us have been trained by film to I think expect 30 frames per second it just looks like shit to everyone it has yeah. that it has that effect of when i remember when the first smart ish or some kind of hd uh, kind of TV came out uh, and my parents would put on i think we were watching watching like we're probably watching like Tootsie or some fun film from the eighties. <laughs> okay. And it just looks awful. It it has that uncanny kind of soap opera look. Yeah. When they're like, I don't know, interpolating 
to make up for I don't know the what the frame rate ra- was. I am not mm-hmm. a like audiovisual guy, but anyway, apparently well, Peter Jackson fucked up those films forever. And another lost connection there with the Hobbit trilogy, Evangeline Lilly. That's true. Uh, plays the lady elf. I saw on Twitter you have been watching Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. You've been watching Handmaid's Tale. I watched the first season of Handmaid's Tale. I I have a lot of thoughts. Have you watched it? I have purposefully not watched it because the negative takes I heard about it just fit perfectly into my narrative of like everything I dislike about modern television. So (laughs) just avoided it. Yeah. I'm interested to hear what that like a little bit about those. So I, I like it a lot. I think it's driven my, – my enjoyment of it is driven largely by the performances, which I think are very, very good. I think that Elizabeth Moss um, is incredibly good. Um, I think she's good in everything. Yeah. Though, I've, though I've not seen Top of the Lake, which I know is like her definitive role. Top of the Lake rocks. I would wholeheartedly recommend that. I think Alexis Bledel actually gives a really fucking good performance. But the best performance in it is Anne Dowd, mm-hmm. who you might know as uh, the Paymon friend in uh, Hereditary. Oh, okay. Nice. So she plays – do you remember anything about the book The Handmaid's Tale? I, I remember vaguely the plot. I remember the vibe – uh, and some of the scenes, but that's that's about. I reread it a couple years ago, but if I hadn't, that's about what I would remember too. Um, but so she plays the like the aunt who trains them, like the religious fanatic woman okay. who trains the handmaids. Yeah, and she's like, it's like like she's fucking great, and uh, not nah, like it's fun. But yeah, I, I will say that you might have seen my other tweet, which is that. It absolutely betrays itself as politically bereft when it literally does not mention race a single time. Well, is that 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 might just be like Atwood being Canadian, yeah? No, because in the book, first off, the the book and the and the show aren't like they could have they add a, a ton of stuff to the show, like yeah. But in the book, actually, so Atwood actually got a lot of criticism for her treatment of race in it. Because she just had it that black people were deemed the children of Ham mm-hmm. and were de- deported to like uh, national homelands in the Midwest. Okay. So she, she literally hand waved it. She literally just said, Well, we got rid of all the black people, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> as a plot device and as like a political development in like American theocracy, it seems a little simple. I mean, then again, She's pro- she's drawing upon that being a justification for like, their enslavement. So at least there is some kind of historical. Yeah. She's drawing from something there, I guess. Yeah, but so in the show though, they don't do that. There's just black people, well, black women in particular. I don't know if there's any black men. Oh no, there are definitely black men in the army. Okay. But like, there are black women handmaids. Like huh. the the main character's best friend is a black lesbian. Okay, um, interesting. So, like, it's there. Yeah. (laughs) There are black people, and it's just never fucking mentioned. If we take this as a critique of, like, American, like, you know, radical Protestantism, 
to 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 assume that those people would just be like, yeah, man, we're all children of God. All all colors are welcome in our little theocracy. It's madness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, it sounds as if the modern mores about more inclusive casting, in this case, kind of cut against the actual more biting racial commentary that could be present. You know. That's true. I'm just, I'm just shocked they didn't even mention it. Like to make a show in, in 2017 and just ignore race completely as like a supposedly woke like show. Like, yeah. How can you, how can you do that? And I'm not even saying like you know television has to make every political point like or that like every show you have to view through a political lens. But a show like The Handmaid's Tale, I mean, come on. Yeah. I think you might be exactly right. They were like, oh, we're going to mix up the casting. It's not going to be all white. But then don't actually think about what that means for their dystopia. My least favorite thing about like modern streaming media is the creeping feeling that just as more writers are more and more on Twitter and there is less quality control in getting these shows out, right, to try and become the platform with the monopoly that like... uh the creeping feeling that you're seeing shows not about the past in a really searching, intriguing way, but shows that are very much about the present. Shows yeah. that exactly reflect the present moment, even when they are doing things like making a Watchmen follow-up. Yeah, anyway. no, that's very interesting. Anyway, just a, just a creeping feeling. Just a... We should start talking about Lost. Man, holy cow, do these do these people love to just poison their problems away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. just... You know, I actually <laughs> before before we really get into it, um, I kind of actually liked and this is on me, I kind of liked um what we did in the last episode where we didn't necessarily go scene by scene, but just sort of talked about our big uh like our big sort of moments there. Do you want to try doing that again? Yeah, honest, honestly, maybe we should have known this a while back, but if people want a more straightforward scene-by-scene lost recap, there are probably tons of ways they can get that, you know? so That's true. Yeah, we can, we can, I, I bet we can split the difference here and, and kind of do... Yeah, let's uh, do that. Well, we won't go to NBC, but we'll sort of do it thematically still. Um, yeah. Okay, so anyway, this is the You Lost Me podcast. That's Spencer. My name's Ben, and uh, he has never seen the show before. I've seen it a bunch of times. This episode is called Born to Run, and it is our third Kate-centric episode. Uh, lots of action in the flashback, which was kind of fun. Um, what do you think of the uh, this one, which is sort of... By the way, is we'll talk about how we're going to do the finale later, but uh, this is the last episode before the finale technically begins. So, yeah, the three-parter. A little bit of table setting. I wanted to ask you, so far, if you're just if you're just going by season one, which characters' flashbacks are your favorite? Locke. Yeah, that's what that's what I would guess you would say. Uh, and I think I would almost say the same. Locks are fun, like a well put together modern character drama. He's almost kind mm-hmm. of prefigurative of. Uh, your Walter White yep. type. I think my favorites in some ways might might be Jack's just because they're like a lifetime movie. Okay. And 
that that's true. Yeah, it's it's just so much fun. Sawyer's also kind of have that vibe, and I think my least favorite are Kate's. Yeah, yeah, I find her fun enough to follow on island just because mm-hmm. she is such an action oriented character. I find her as a character study a little bit flat. If if Jack and Sawyer have lifetime movie pasts, I don't really know what genre hers are. I can see where you're coming from, and I kind of feel like the thing with Kate to me is that it's like the writers thought to themselves, you know, lady criminal. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's some place to start, but then never really got past there. Yeah, it feels like that to me. She is a woman of constant sorrow and feels as cursed as Hurley. It's just the curse isn't literal. Holy shit, did they just pile it on? Yeah. Um, Did you know it was Kate right away? uh, Yeah, yeah, I guessed. I guessed. Some uh, some cheap-ass hair dye she was washing out. Yeah. For her to just go back directly to her regular hair color. Let's see, she receives a letter from Joan Hart. Yep. And comes with flowers for a Diane Jensen, who is later revealed to be her mother. Is is Kate Catherine Jensen? Uh, no, I believe Kate Austin is her name from her dad. Oh, okay. All right. So you will meet eventually. No, no, no big spoiler here. You will eventually meet Kate's father. But uh, yeah, she she hides hides in the car, uh, surprises her old, I guess like adolescent or like even like, like younger like, boyfriend. Like, to be clear, not that he was younger now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that would now that would be a backstory. Kate the pedophile. <laughs> oh man. That's that would be what it would be if if, if <laughs> she like, if, uh, if like Nick Mullen made Lost. <laughs> yeah, she's a she's a very different kind of lady criminal. Let's say um, no. Uh, yeah. She sleeps in the car of her now legally aged childhood sweetheart. Uh, played by played by Mackenzie Austin, who I remembered most recently from. Whit Stillman's Last Days of Disco. Great movie. Diane, she can't get to, but Mackenzie Aston is a doctor at the hospital. Uh, and he is Kate's childhood sweetheart of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to get her in. But not before they dig up uh, their little time capsule. <laughs> her plane uh his plane plane yeah they dig up they dig up something uh i honestly i honestly thought for a bit and it was a fun fun little like sleight of hand bit of misdirection i thought they were gonna dig, dig up a body or some shit I was... <laughs> you did you 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 half fell for it uh, yeah i half fell for it maybe i don't want to make it so accusatory but um... no no i th- i think i think in a kind of like hopeful light i am a gullible viewer in that <laughs> I'm ready for the fun, predictable uh, shit to happen. I know what you did last summer was still in yeah. the in the like floating around in the culture around that time. The, 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 the teen horror moment hadn't been too far away. Speaking of which, little tangent: Have you seen the faculty? No. It is pretty fucking dope. 
a lot of people say it's the pinnacle of late 90s teen horror. It's uh, Elijah Wood and yeah, okay. uh, Josh Hartnett. The teachers are aliens or something? Yeah, John, John Stewart plays one of the teachers. Little Lost Connection. Hibbs, who was also the, uh, the T-1000 in Terminator 2. He's in it as the football coach. Uh, it, it's really good. You should, you should check it out. So they did not dig up a body, though. They dig up time capsule. Did you happen to catch what the, the, lo- what the, the logo on the, uh, on the lunchbox was? No. It was New Kids on the Block. Only, only 90s kids. Yep, only 90s kids remember. And they go through it, and they uh, find some stuff like Tom's plane, which, of course, Kate would later steal from the, uh, from the bank vault. And then yeah. they find a tape. And it's 2004, so uh, it might be 2002 or 2003. So Tom has a uh, tape deck in his car still. And they listen to it, and it's them talking, and we get... A little bit of a mystery about what's going on with Kate. Yeah, that's true. She she has that planting a seed for later line about like you know why I want to run away. Yeah, that that you know that's a little lifetimey. If we're talking about like lifetime media and Stephen King influenced media, the mind immediately goes to oh she has a like sick abusive father or something like that. The confrontation with her mother further drives the. The mystery. Uh, what is, what does her mother yell at her? Just like, just keeps yelling, "I'm in help trouble. Me, help me! Help, help me. me!" Yeah. Damn, Kate. What'd you do? Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I say, "What? What did you do?" Because I saw that there's an episode literally called "What Kate Did." <laughs> <laughs> is that true? That is true. Oh man. Uh, what do you do, Kate? Probably won't find out for a while. What she did in this episode is uh, get her old boyfriend just fucking murdered by police. Yeah, did he get shot? Is that what the implication was? I think so. I wasn't just, sure if it was that he got shot or it was that he, like, snapped his neck. Okay, you you really fucked up, man. Yeah. Yeah, should have pushed him out of the car before you did that. Yeah, uh, yeah like, do, do something other than get your fucking... This, this guy with a kid who you've just dragged into your fucking international police conspiracy. I will say the what Kate did episode. Um, since you know that I wasn't, I was about to mention that. Then I was like, no, I won't spoil that. Uh-huh. Since, since you've already seen it, I'll say it is actually pretty soon. Um, oh, okay. And that's, it is. That's a, exciting. It's a, it's a fun episode. I think that at that time they sort of, I'm going to guess something here which is that they had planted the like what does kate's plane mean as sort of like a minor mystery and they realized no one was going to care about it unless they answered it right away yeah so so they just wrote something to explain the explain what the plane means to her and like eliminate that as a mystery i would not be surprised if that's what what the the genesis in the writer's room of this uh, backstory was that's just me. So we know we know what the what the tchotchke means. You know what the plan means. So let's do the on island stuff. Um, first off, I want to talk about our latest uh, friend from the red shirts to emerge, <laughs> uh, Doctor Arts. What do you think of him? He has a he has an interesting face build. Yeah, Daniel Daniel Roebuck is the actor. 
our previous red shirts have all just kind of looked like extras. So, uh, want to see more of this fella. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't think you're speaking out of school to say that you will. So the other thing I want to talk about in this episode is how Sawyer and Jack really are just like, like, like very like larval examples of like the nice guy and the Chad. <laughs> okay, that's that's a good dynamic. I think that's a that will be a generative way for us to to analyze analyze this. And and Kate, in the minds of these like majority white dude writers, is just like the stupid lady who <laughs> who just who just can't stop going back to the boy who treats her bad. Uh, well, do you want to just lay out your thesis real quick? Oh yeah, I mean it's just like. You couldn't write a more textbook like guy who seems cool but is actually an abusive asshole than yeah. Sawyer. You know, leaving aside the scenes where he is actively on top of her, when he grabs her arm really forcefully and just kind of menaces yeah. her in this episode, that kind of seemed to be the uh, the lowest point in their relationship so far. Yeah. And so by the end, yeah, you're right. You you get that kind of wistful. He's looking sad. Uh, I'm I'm leaving because there's nothing here for me. When when he's giving yeah. her his reason for for wanting on the raft. Now, I know it's like it's a very sort of cliche way to talk about things, but yeah, I it, whatever. I think I th- I think it has a little bit of bearing here because they still think Sawyer is so fucking cool. Like in their minds, he the writers' mind, they've created like the ultimate guy. Mm-hmm. And in Jack, he's just like a slightly more successful version of them. I don't know. It's a half-baked theory. But... Whatever. We, we love half-baked theories, theories on the You Lost Me podcast. And as we know now, uh, the nice guy is probably worse and probably like more sanctimonious and toxic, toxic and thinks he deserves things because he's nice. And of course, yeah. you get you get Jack being, you know, not actively menacing, but like, oh, I don't know, Kate, what are you capable of? Like his whole yeah. right, right back to his his favorite hobby horse of uh, being a dick to her uh, because yeah, she has of passed. just like being being morally superior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, maybe maybe my theory had a little more to it than I was giving myself credit for. For me, this episode and listeners. When I rag on the show, it's always out of love. You know, I, I enjoy Lost more than I ever have these days. But it's, uh, goddamn, I cannot do another on-island plot that is entirely driven by just, like, how quick on a dime these people are to accuse one another. Uh, right? Yeah. And then, and then by the end, it is inevitably the person you least expect. Uh, and and the reason why this one this one was so kind of like labored and tired to me just because well I know it wasn't Locke because the heat is on Locke and he's busy with other shit right now I know it wasn't yeah. Sawyer because by this point everyone knows it's not Sawyer he's the red herring and I mean literally yeah. the character red herring from a pup named Scooby Doo you know you know what I'm talking about. I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. The character Red Herring in a pup named Scooby-Doo is the Red Herring every episode. Fun. We know it's probably not Walter because 
if he did this after burning the raft, you know, it would just be kind of the same plot again, right? Yeah. So who who could it be that's going to be most surprising, right? And of course, it is Jin by the end. You know, she son. Uh, a son, excuse me, showing that that knowledge of uh, folk medicine and tinctures that you so uh, rightly <laughs> pointed out was kind of <laughs> kind of absurd. Uh, yeah, yeah. She knows just the right amount of these tinctures to put in Jin's water. Yeah, that the whole poisoning plot line just felt very forced. It felt like there was never going to be anything to come out of this. Like they weren't going to like kill another character. They weren't gonna, you know, it's just too late in the season for like uh, an island justice system to become like, <laughs> part of the plot line. Yeah. Like, this is going to be something that happens and then it's over and it's just going to be fucking boring. Yeah, I, you know, I don't doubt that, like, this kind of dynamic will come up again, because that's a very easy way to fill out a, how long's an episode of Lost? 40 minutes? For, 42 minutes. A 42 minutes of, of drama, have cast members accusing each other of uh, doing something awful, and then, you know... Uh, offending each other greatly by like, oh, you really think I'm capable of that, right? Uh, we've done it yeah. before. We'll do it again. Uh, in this episode, some fun stuff does come out of it, though. I was very intrigued eventually by how Walt wants to leave the island because the hatch is being opened. And he doesn't want yeah. Locke to do that. He tells Locke not to. That was really interesting. Open. Yeah, yeah, don't open it. Drawing that wedge between the character, you know, who you can guess probably has the sight, and the character mm -hmm. who more religiously, a little more blindly follows. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of the hatch, they show it to Jack, and Jack joins Locke and saying he wants to open it. Saeed gives a very uh, dramatic saying that he thinks we should bury it. <laughs> um a little bit a little bit more sort of council of island dads here like these yeah, are yeah. we've got we've got doctor dad we've got rugged dad we've got arab dad <laughs> <laughs> and we're all and we're all hanging out these are the three I, big dads i love the the uh the council of island dads <laughs> um uh if you were on the council of island dads what would you want to do you want to open the hatch or no I definitely want to open the hatch. Give me in there. Yeah, that's what I mean, I'm saying. I mean, fuck it. We're we're already on the island. Shit already yeah. sucks. Uh, yeah, like, shit is gonna go down sooner or later. We we know there's a monster. We know that there's some weird shit going on. Like, yeah, let's it, just let's just get to it. If we don't open the hatch and just get like I don't know, like a lung full of anthrax, then we're just going to get like <laughs> dengue fever or some shit in a That's couple true. months anyway, because we're living on an island. So you know, yeah, life's too short. Open well. the hatch. Yeah, I, I say open the hatch. Yeah. Anything else from the on-island stuff? Um, Walt admits to Michael that he uh, burned the first raft. Yeah. And Michael, Michael gets a turn as a good dad, uh, says they yeah. won't leave. Uh, I, I have no idea what's happening with that raft. I'd like to see it, though. They did a good job building it. Uh, yeah, kinda, it, looks, it looks nice. I kind of just hope it, it stays a prop. They can sit on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, have, a little, have a little picnic on it. I don't know. 
Uh, one other little scene. Uh, did you like the scene of Charlie playing his new rock opera with uh, with Claire cutting his hair? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, giving Charlie scenes of being just like shithead guitar guy is perfect. <laughs> yeah. I it's, love it. Uh, yeah. I want it. I want it. I want so many more of them. This is, yeah. What was it? This is track two. The monster ate the pilot. Or yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's great. Very funny. One can't help but cringe when. So kind of forcefully and a little grossly is like, oh, you can stay with me in LA when we get off the island. Right. Yeah. But, uh, there are a lot worse fates for them as characters than for her to become the shithead guitar guy's like uh, nice girlfriend. You know, yeah. I hope that happens for them if it can. So next week, uh, so after this episode is the finale. It's a three-part finale, and when it aired originally, part one aired one week, and then parts two and three aired the next week. I think we should watch all three and talk about them as one because they really do function as one episode. Okay. I like that idea. Okay. So we'll watch all three of them. We will talk about them next week. It'll be a super long episode. Maybe we'll split it into two episodes if we go really long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Uh, next week's episode is called Exodus. Uh, parts one, two, and three. Um, and... Uh, flashback wise, this one is everyone. So, damn, you have a lot to look forward to, and that—that's part of why it makes sense to talk about it all as one because each character gets one flashback scene, and it kind of helps you talk about them all because they all sort of come together at the end. So. Are we gonna see them in line at the airport, and they won't know each other yet? That'd be really fun. Uh, wait and see. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. If you like us. Let us know. Tweet at us at you lost me pod. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Good boy.